Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Joe Pavlansky, pop culture historian, writer for Scary Monsters Magazine, and curator of the Crypt of Classics. Co-hosting, as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries and owner of HouseOfTheUnusual.com, the one, the only, Eddie Guevara. Today's special guest is Eddie's son, Anthony, and he's here to help us talk about some spooky urban legends. How's everyone doing tonight? Eddie, what's new? What's what's going on in the world of House of the Unusual? No, we have been getting a lot of, um, well, first of all, I'm doing fantastic. I've been getting a lot of uh, new people coming onto the site, and I've, I've been kind of surprised because some people were looking at some of my YouTube videos, and, and the two things that surprised me were, one, they're saying that why was I making short videos less than an hour? And I thought, I, you know, I wanted to do that because I thought that an hour was too long. One guy actually wrote me and said, you know, the problem we're having is every time I go get the popcorn, it's over. <laughs> another, another interesting comment, which a guy said to me that he loves the stuff. He says, you know, you could probably get thousands of more views if you just spend a couple more seconds on each product instead of going through them so quickly. So I've decided to restructure that and I'm going to take about 10 products and do a video and spend a couple of minutes detailing and explaining the history of each product. Having said that, um, that's what's new in, in my end, Joe. And uh, how about you? No, nothing much uh, uh, new on my end. Just, you know, getting into the the Halloween spirit and been watching some some spooky movies, doing a little bit of uh, reading on some, some scary stories and brushing up on, on some urban legends. Uh, Anthony, you're our special guest today. Um, why don't you go to and tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are and, um, you know, what you enjoy and, and maybe some, some urban legends that you had some experience. Sounds with. great. Thanks for having me on guys. Yeah. Growing up as my father's son over here, uh, I grew up with uh, urban legends, grew up in a, and, and, and we're, so, we're sorry about that. Very sorry. <laughs> Tell me about we, it. We, we feel your pain. Right? I, used to, I used to tell my mom sometimes our house looked like Castle Dracula at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> we, I would wake up every morning, see Dracula's face, I think, more than I saw my own most of the time. But uh, <laughs> growing up in my, my household with my father, I was used to seeing Houdini, seeing Dracula, Frankenstein, the urban legends, and a lot of the horror films that people call classics and I grew up enjoying them you know I grew up watching them with my father more times than not so when I see that stuff doesn't necessarily click with horror with me more like more casual fun time with my father watching those horror films with him so I grew up enjoying them growing up grew up uh, loving it loving the urban legends growing up loving Sasquatch and Bigfoot and and my favorite most of all the skunk ape which is like the Sasquatch from Florida but um, yeah, I, I grew up with a passion for them, and I grew up le- learning to love them and seeing uh, seeing the monsters behind them, and how somehow we can all kind of relate to them. So it's it's, it's been pretty good. Not gonna lie. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So you mentioned the the skunk skunk ape, which is a little uh, lesser known urban legend. Are you able to get a little bit more into that and tell the audience? You know, maybe some some stories about the skunk ape and you know, what it is. I'm sure everyone's familiar with Bigfoot, but maybe not, you know, so much of this uh, this cryptid or urban legend. Yeah, so I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the skunk ape is when I what I what really got me into it, along with like the Loch Ness monster and all that. Skunk ape. I heard one time there was this band I used to listen to back in the day, and uh, the drummer for the band was uh, he was talking about skunk ape. They were from Florida. And uh, it kind of got me interested in it. And I was like, what is the skunk ape? So the skunk ape is kind of like a swamp version of, a, of, a, of, of our North American kind of Bigfoot story of it. So the skunk ape is more of like Sasquatch from down south Florida who lived in like the swamps and all that stuff. And he was known for his smell. So they would kind of look at him as like the way a skunk would smell. And when they finally saw him and they, they got eye to eye with him, it would look like an ape. So that's where the name came from. I believe they also called them the 
the swamp cabbage man i'm not mistaken if i'm not mistaken <laughs> but um yeah so he grew up as a i grew up watching that and hearing about the skunk ape and all that stuff i never know too many stories about him but i kind of related him a lot to bigfoot which i was always very fond of growing up so i guess he was known for his smell kind of like that skunk smell and uh growing up back where in my town in, uh, in new jersey when a skunk would walk by it leave a wretched scent and it leave you smelling for hours and hours and hours so hearing about that i was like oh i would hate to run into that guy one day in florida especially with that heat down there <laughs> now this is i i don't think i've ever heard of the uh, skunk ape eddie are you familiar with it have you ever heard of of this cryptid or or urban legend uh to be honest with you i've only heard it when my son has mentioned it and it's kind of okay. funny when he said skunk cape uh, because he kind of re referred to the man thing from the Marvel comics, you know, the thing, man thing. Yeah, that's what it almost kind of sounds like, you know, man yeah. thing or swamp thing or something, but with just a putrid smell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and, and the thing is that the man thing, I, I thought that that was some of the best comic book covers I've, I've ever bought because I love the way uh, they paint him and portray him, you know. So that's when Anthony's saying that I'm just thinking in my mind of that comic book. So what, what other... Um... What other urban legends are you, are you familiar with, Anthony? Do you have any other maybe kind of off-the-wall ones or lesser-known, you know, stories that you could, you could oh, share man. with us? Because, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a ton out there. And, you know, every part of the country, like we were discussing in the last episode, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's got their own urban legends de depending on where they're, they're located. And some people, you know, different generations, they hear different legends that go around school or their different circle of friends. So... You, you know what? What else you What else you got for us? So, oh, growing up, I've always I've always loved the the urban legends, and one of my favorites was Sasquatch. But I have a story for you guys that uh, my dad he always makes me laugh when I when I tell the story, and it happened. It's so funny because I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it a little fast forward before I get to the story and how I related to it. I used to work at a a Barnes and Noble, and um, one morning I was up stocking up shelves, and as I was putting books away. I was stocking up the shelf on a shelf that we had for urban legends and folklore and, and all that kind of like popular kind of uh, monsters. So I was stocking up the shelves and I was putting books away of Bigfoot sightings of the Loch Ness Monster and all that stuff. And one book that kind of popped out to me was Pterodactyl Sightings. And I looked at it and um, it kind of related to me at the moment because a couple of weeks before I put that book away, I had kind of an experience myself. And now some people call me crazy when I tell them this story and it makes my father laugh and it makes me laugh at the time. But uh, at the time when it happened, it kind of shocked me. We were driving up to Boston as we do like uh, once every six months or so. And growing up, I've always gone to Boston because I've always gone to my eye doctor down over there. And my father would always drive. Once I got my driver's license, I decided to hit the road and, and go for the long drive myself. And my father decided to take advantage of it and take a nap in the back seat. So on my way to Boston one year, <laughs> he figured, I guess, all the years of him driving, it's time for him to go to sleep. But um, one year I, I decided to invite my friend over. So we rented this little, I think it was a Ford, and uh, we were driving up to Boston. I didn't know too much how to get there. My father was uh, sleeping in the back. So as we got to Connecticut, I took a wrong exit and um, – me and my friend were uh, were trying to figure out how to get back on the main highway to get to uh, get get back into Boston. And as we were in Connecticut, we decided to put the GPS on, plug the GPS back up, and um, we were driving along the way. And it was a two lane highway that it brought us into some weird exit I've never taken in my life. So it was like in the middle of nowhere, in the woods, driving up like this mountainside. And the architecture of the bridges and all that stuff that we were crossing was very old school. And it kind of looked kind of like old school Victorian kind of. So as we were driving, I was in the front seat and we realized that there was an accident up ahead. So there was kind of a little bit of traffic and it slowed down. The, the road was kind of slowed. And I, as I was saying before, it was like this two lane highway and a one going south, one going north. And we were stuck in the traffic. There was no way to get around it. So as we were stuck, we were moving slowly. I look up and we see the trees kind of on the on our right side. And we see these humongous trees kind of like moving, kind of like if it was windy outside. And out of the trees flies this humongous bird. Now, I say it's a pterodactyl, but the way it looked was very odd. 
it kind of had like a humongous, I wouldn't say bat face, but it had more of a pointy, pointy beak. And it had like this long point behind its head. And it kind of flapped its wings in slow motion. Now, when you look at the wings flapping in slow motion, it kind of it kind of looked like something out of a Jurassic Park film. And it flapped and it had like these reptile kind of wings to it, along with a long tail that kind of had a little spike at the end. And the reason I was able to get all this detail was because it's so it was so close to me. And it flew and it took two flaps of its wings across the entire highway. And it took one flap, and then I look at my friend, and my friend is, starts freaking out in the corner. He's like, what the hell is this? Let me get my phone as soon as possible. And it's like, usually in all these occasions, when it comes to UFO sightings and all this stuff, the video quality is very rare, and it's, and it's very hard to kind of focus onto it. And so the moment he took out his phone to kind of record, it kind of flew back into the trees across the highway on the other side. So I was able to see this thing in slow motion. It was like a dark black and it kind of flapped his wings real slow and it was slow motion. And the moment I saw that my dad, we wake my dad up in the back of the seat. He wakes up and he's kind of like, what are you guys, what are you guys yelling about? What's like the chaos going on? And I told my friend, I was like, you wouldn't believe what we just saw this humongous, (laughs) like prehistoric bird from like the Jurassic time just kind of flew from tree to tree. And we were kind of leaving New Jersey at that point. Like we were a couple minutes out of New Jersey, out of upstate New York. And we just entered into Connecticut and all this stuff. So a lot of people, when I tell the story, they automatically blame the New Jersey devil. And I've never had any experiences when it comes to the New Jersey devil. But when I saw this book, going back to the story, I was saying when I was working in Barnes & Noble. And I was putting this book back onto the shelf that said, that said pterodactyl sightings on it. It kind of took me back to that story. Because the kind of the pterodactyl it had in the front of it was kind of like the bird that I saw flapping its wings going across the highway. So my passion for folklore and all these mysterious monsters and creatures like Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, New Jersey Devil, it kind of triggered it. And it kind of made me fall in love more with these monsters because I kind of had an experience myself when it came to it. So I always thought that was a cool story. That's why I always give my dad uh, give my dad a hard time when it comes to talking about Bigfoot. I'm like, Bigfoot is real. And we're going to go in the woods one day and we're going to find him. Watch. <laughs> You're going to see. We're going to get some DNA and we're going to find him one of these days. And I'm not talking about those uh, commercials you see. The Bigfoot's a, an actual monster. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were we were talking about the, uh, you know, the, the pterodactyl sighting on the, the last mm-hmm. episode. And it, it seems, you know, a lot of people, whether it's they call it the pterodactyl or the thunderbird, it seems like there's a lot. There's been a lot of sightings on uh in like the area of uh you know pennsylvania new york new mm-hmm. jersey uh some in ohio illinois and uh, a few in the late 1800s in in arizona so it's you you know there i i would say there is you know some you know maybe some truth to it you have all these settings that go back over a, a hundred mm-hmm. years of this bird now I, i'm sure some people might you know, have seen a, a large maybe eagle or something and not knowing what it was might think it's a thunderbird, but you know, you could only have so many reports until, you know, there, there's got to be something to there. Not everybody could, you know, be seeing a, a bald eagle and think that it's, you know, a thunderbird or, or a pterodactyl. And there's been a lot of reports as well that they, of people seeing this large bird. And, and just like you said, that, that it doesn't flap its wings or, yeah. or a large area of sky, it might flap its wings, you know, maybe one time mm-hmm. you know, for a 45-second period or minute period, and, and it's just very unusual the way it looks, and it doesn't, you know, have any, you know, distinct colors, you know, like, you know, like an eagle would or even a, um, a hawk that it's just almost like a, a jet black type color, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- might be something there. Maybe you did see something, you know, and it, it would have been nice if your dad was awake and he could, <laughs> the, you know, sleeping on right? the job. That's what, I, that's what I say. You know, I compare my dad a lot to the, the boy who cried wolf. You know, it's only so many times you can say, oh, give me a hard time about it. One of these days he's going to see something crazy and no one's going to believe him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, what, I, what I was thinking is I wonder if what Anthony actually saw was one of those condors. Because there's, the, you know, the North American condors and that area up in, in upstate New York where we were driving going into Connecticut, uh, you know, that could be a possibility because those things are about three, four feet high. 
and they have huge wingspans. So hmm. I'm just wondering if that's what it is. Because my wife claims to have seen the same thing in top of Toys R Us about, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, you you know, you never know what, what it could be. There could be a rational explanation for it. But, you know, I, you know, when I was a field investigator for MUFON and people would come up with, with these, you know, with their sighting. And then I was a, you know, I, I would go through the process, you know, and, and able to kind of, you know, I hate to use the word debunk mm-hmm. it, but, you know, to tell them that, you know, you, you didn't see, you know, UFO from somewhere else that it was this, but I always encourage people to, no matter what, if you don't know what it is, always, you know, tell somebody or report it because you just never know. And if there is information, you know, where, where there's several reports, you know, you could always, you know, check everybody's reports and kind of see, you know, do they have a different description? Did they see it in the same right. area? And maybe they saw, you know, a different color that you didn't see. So, you know, we always encourage people, you know, no matter how ridiculous mm-hmm. it might seem or how, you know, always, you know, put it out there, you know, tell people about it because, you know, you never know. Someone might be listening to this podcast and, you know, have, have might have seen the same thing in that area that, that you described, right. Anthony. And, you know, the the more, you know, reports that, that are out there, you know, might lead some credence to whether it's, you know, an actual, you know, Thunderbird or is it, you know, a mm-hmm. Condor or, or, you know, something else that we now, don't know, you know about. Okay. I mean, oh, no, no, so like the thing was, was after we saw this, I Googled, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm doing research about it till this day. And the only animals that look similar to what I saw, as soon as I find an image of it, it's kind of either like a painting or so. And I look up the timeline and when it was around and, and flew around this earth and it was millions of years ago, it was in the BC era and it was the Jurassic era. It's all these uh, prehistoric kind of birds. Cause the one thing that gave it away that shocked me and my friend was the tail that it had. It had like a long tail. Now, you know the type of tails that you see in, like, the old cartoons of dragons, and it has kind of, like, a little arrow headed behind the tail. It looks kind of of funny, like, cartoon-wise. So it had that type of tail on it, and it was, like, long, and and it was, like, a dark black. Now, I would would understand if it was, like, a thunderbird or whatnot. Maybe the sun was hitting it and the shadowing of it from seeing it from the car through the window that you wouldn't be able to tell if it had, like, kind of, like, a reptile kind of skin, like a scaly skin rather than feathers. And it had more of like a scaly skin from what I saw. But what kind of gave me the goosebumps about it was the head that it had along with the tail. It had this weird looking arrowhead, like the kind of the kind of the way Jurassic Park nailed it when it showed a pterodactyl. It had like that long beak and that long head behind it. And the tail is what kind of put me and my friend like we just looked at each other and we were like, what is this? Because it's so funny. The highway that we were on kind of looked like some kind of fiction some some highway that you read about like some lore or something like that and it was like very old school kind of looking so we were kind of laughing joking about it like in the car saying that we were like driving into like a dinosaur kind of uh kind of atmosphere to it and then when we saw that it kind of left us both shaking in our boots (laughs) maybe you maybe you uh while you were driving you entered some you know (laughs) multi-dimensional portal and uh you know, and seen it and then, you know, emerged back out of it. But, you know, kind of almost, I wonder what you've seen. Have you ever seen that uh, 1957 movie called The Giant Claw? No, I can't believe, I can't say I have. You you should see it. It's really, it's it's kind of like a, um, it, it's a classic. You know, a lot of people say that it's just, it's a bad movie. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, one of those bad movies that are really good. And the, the main monster in it is this, turkey buzzard flying you know pterodactyl type <laughs> monster that got this long you know long neck and this mm-hmm. buzzard head and this turkey body and this long tail and these giant claws it's it, it's a it, it's a fun movie and it, it's you know i guess if you've seen it during the 50s you might you know get a little spook <laughs> out of it but it's it's an amazingly good bad movie but it kind of rem- always reminds me of like the you know, when people report the Thunderbird and all that, I always think back to the giant claw and that the turkey buzzer. That's in. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those well, movies that is so good. What, I mean, it's so bad, it's got to be good, you know? 
<laughs> Absolutely. When, when you guys are talking about, uh, Anthony, I don't know if you're aware, the Thunderbird is a famous uh, legend, mostly in Indian mm-hmm. folklore, that says of a huge bird, uh, and they call it the Thunderbird. And it, I think Alaska gets the most of uh, sightings of that, but at the same time, when they mentioned like the Thunderbird and stuff, I was just thinking in my mind, if you look at the old Guinness books of world mm-hmm. records, there is one part there where they have some bird. Uh, I forget what it is. It's like 10 people holding up the wings of the bird. It's like 12 feet across, you know? Um, I'm just thinking in my mind right now what that bird looks like. Because it could be something what Anthony's resembling uh, of this bird that they, uh, I forgot what the name of the bird or what type of bird is, but uh I was just thinking I'm going to look at that and, and just curiosity see what it looks like. But that's what the Thunderbird is. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're aware of it. But, no, the, fol- the folklore behind no. Thunderbird, I am, I'm, I'm completely aware of. There's also another one that's called the Texas Thunderbird. And um, it's kind of like you, you were saying, the folklore behind, behind the Thunderbird is mainly like in Alaska or a lot of those Native American kind of uh, – uh, reservations is like very, very, very popular between the Native Americans. But there's also one called the Texas Thunderbird. It's a myth that um, arose. I forgot uh, around what time frame. But the Texas Thunderbird is then is kind of like if you Google the images on it, it's kind of exactly what I saw. And it's so funny that the name Texas in front of it. But I ended up seeing something similar to it in in uh, Connecticut, going up north. But um, yeah, that would be the um, that would be the closest relative to an actual painting or a photograph of what I saw that day, which is kind of is kind of funny because they say these uh, birds and are they myth or are they legends or are they actual birds? And they had birds in the dinosaur times that were bigger than dinosaurs itself, you know, and kind of crazy how big these birds were back in the day. And who knows? I'm, I mean. I'm a very skeptical person. I kind of don't believe things until I actually see them or they have the science to prove it. But when I saw this, I was kind of like, wow, this is, this is, this is crazy. This is actually real. And it freaked me out. So I did a lot of research on it and I could see where a lot of people get frustrated when it comes to like their sightings and people don't believe them and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, it'd be kind of funny as you were saying, as I went through like some sort of dimensional kind of thing where all these animals lived at one point and then got out of it. (laughs) You know, there's a, there's a lot of stories of, um, of, you know, people, you know, of missing time and, and being in, in one area. And then all of a sudden, you know, being hundreds Mm -hmm. of miles away, it always, you know, makes me think, you know, and then also thinking back to, you know, Bermuda triangle stories that, you know, the, you know, are there actual, you know, portals, you know, on this earth where, you know, some people might enter and never leave or they might enter and then exit, you know, at a at a different point, you know, somewhere else. And there's a um, there's a there's a guy that does a lot of uh, uh, stories. I, I can't remember his his name, but his his series is called Missing 411. I don't know if you you guys have Missing ever heard of it. Huh? And um. Yeah, missing missing four one one, and the guy he's a uh, he's an investigator. He's a, a prior detective and all that. And he his name's David Politis. That's a David Politis, and he's put out a uh, several books. Been on a lot of radio shows, and he talks about these uh, missing people that um, all throughout the all throughout the world, mostly in the United States. And then he has his you know how he. Now, the next time you're, how, like, way up area, how he kind of like investigates it and everything, but you know, a lot of his and not to get too much into it because you could really get into the subject, but a lot of his stories, you know, deal with people, you know, maybe like a three year old child going missing mm-hmm. in the mountains. His body is found perfectly preserved, like eight miles away over the mountains, and you know they'll interview the search and rescue and they'll say that there's no way that a three-year-old boy could get, you know, this far away without being, you know, scratched up and not having clothes ripped or dehydrated, no food and all that, you know, in just a few days. And it, you know, it always makes me think, you know, it was there some type of dimensional portal open and this kid, you know, went into it and exited, you know, so many miles away. I, if anybody out there gets, you know, is able to look into the, the missing four one one and 
if you start uh-huh. reading some of the stories, it makes you really think, you know, about these dimensional portals. And then, you know, of course, you know, with the Bermuda Triangle and all that, that's always been one of the, the main theories of it, that it's, it's, there's some kind of portal there that takes you into, you know, another dimension, another world or what? Yeah, right. Who knows? Einstein, Einstein came out with a theory like that. Um, I'm not too much of a scientist, so I don't know too much of it. But uh, Einstein came out with something about these portals in space and how if time, tra- I mean, if space travel was possible, we would be able to come up with, uh, go through these portals and get out one end of the galaxy to the other end in like a matter of seconds. So, well, the, you're talking about the theory of relativity where it basically, uh, it kind of, I don't know how to explain it the best way possible, but it's like when the earth spins, the blackness around the earth itself kind of is like a blanket that kind of follows it a little bit. So to explain it better, let's say you put a, a, a piece of cloth on, on a table and you put your finger in the center and you s- turn your finger slightly, the cloth itself starts going in a circular motion right behind. And the, the earth, when it spins, Einstein's theory kind of discovered that. So that's where they come with that idea that space itself at certain parts can bend and point A to point B, you can go and that's what they call wormholes and quite, you know, that that's where that idea comes from. But um, there is another famous legend. I think every state has one. It's called Spook Hill in Florida is one of them. And what it does is that because of the way the terrain is, when you put your car on neutral, the car seems to be going uphill instead of downhill. It'll roll uphill. In reality, it's an illusion, but New Jersey, they call it Gravity Road. They have one in Massachusetts. They have them in almost every state. Now, the one in Florida, when I first did my issue in 2008 of Ghost Ship Times, I, I actually had a whole article on that particular road. Um, it, it, I forgot right now the story behind it. Something about some Indian fellow that he went and fought some alligator. I forgot what it was. And supposedly he's haunting the highway there. Uh, I don't remember the story, so I'm not going to kill the story right now. But that is another one of those legendary uh, things you have. Like when we spoke in the last show, Clinton Road. Clinton Road in New Jersey is if you see a car with the lights on, don't flash your lights at him. Because they could come around, you know, some people say that a car, whoever's in it will kill you. Other people say that, you know, the car follows you. And, you know, they and a lot of people claim to have seen such a thing. In fact, where I live right here, Joe, there is an old monastery that I actually, when I was going to Catholic school that I was young, it was called the St. Michael's Church. It's It's in Union City, New Jersey. And the building is almost 200 years old. It's, it's a big cathedral, beautiful building. But when it went out of business, not out of business, but I guess the Catholic Church sold it. And it was falling apart. The section where on the side where the pastor, not the pastor, the priest would live and, and the rectory would be located. They actually, Weird New Jersey did an article on it because some people, I guess, from Weird New Jersey broke into it. And they were saying how it sounded like it's haunted and stuff. But now the cathedral is huge. And I've, I've taken some photos of it and I've used it as a backdrop for some of my, uh, you know, um, different uh, videos I do and stuff. But I got to tell you, it's creepy as hell. And it's one of those uh, where you can develop a lot of that folklore stuff. Because in that weird New Jersey article there, um, they go in detail and they show pictures of what it looked like inside and, you know, all this stuff. But to every state, there's always kind of like the same story and the same uh, legend. Uh, when you have, like I said, the Spook Hill in Florida, in New Jersey, they call it Gravity Road. I think in Texas, it has some other name. But I've read about almost every state has one. Go ahead. Now, now, I wanted to just to real quick bring back to when we were talking about you know, different dimensions and parallel universes is that I don't know if you guys have ever uh, seen this episode or, or watched the clip, but a few years back um, when Chelsea Handler had her, uh, she had a show on Netflix, I believe it was on Netflix and they were talking, this is when like the, the show stranger things, you know, started right. coming on and, and became very popular. Well, they had on their uh, 
His name was Ernest Moniz, and he was the U.S. Secretary of Energy. And on there, he, you know, they're they're talking, doing, you know, mm-hmm. having fun, doing their interview and all, all that. And then he actually says on there that they do work in parallel universes and, you know, that they're trying to understand the particles of nature and the structure of the universe, you know, theoretical uh, physics and all that. So he actually, you know, this is, you know, Secretary of Energy admitting that they are working in parallel universes. And if you if you get to see the clip, you could find it on YouTube or on the, the Internet. But, you know, she once he says that, she, you know, they, they get very uncomfortable, like, you know, they're joking around. And then he comes out with this information and it's like, oh, you know, that is actual, you know, real. And it's it's funny that that had, you know, it it never made, you know, the big time news. I mean, you would think that this is that they're working in parallel universes. This is, you know, our science fiction coming true and that this never, you know, became a huge news topic. It was almost like it, it was kind of wow. buried. And, you know, there, there's so much that, you know, you have a government official admitting that we are actually that there are parallel universes and. You know, it, it never became a, a mainstream news article. But if anybody is out there, it, you know, just look up Chelsea Handler. Um, you could type in, you know, Secretary of Energy and, and you could find that clip. It's, you know, about a minute and a half or so. But it is it's very interesting to see how uncomfortable they get once he admits that they are working in parallel universe. <laughs> that, that's that's pretty crazy science. You know, I feel like behind every folk, folklore and every myth and every urban legend, there is some truth behind it. There is uh there's definitely something something out there that the world has yet to explain. There's definitely something out there that the human eyes have yet to know. But um at the same time it gives it gives people this this rush uh that we, we find when we when we get into these mysteries and the fact that humans are so addicted and so so curious about the unknown because of the fear and the and, and sometimes excitement we get when we don't know what's out there. So we come up with these stories and like these, uh, some might say imaginations, other might say actual facts as we were talking about when it comes to the multiple universes and different dimensions out there. And who knows what's out there really. But the, un- the only thing that us humans can really do is just believe in what we actually see. And the hard evidence is, is you can't disclaim something that we saw face to face you know is you can you can try to get down to right. the the science behind it but in the, in the the event in which it happened the person saw it and they believe they saw it you can try to disclaim it but at the end of the day you weren't at the same location as that person and and when you see what they saw then who knows maybe you become a a, a believer of it as well you know but it, it's right now no, you no no go ahead oh, no go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead finish. you know I, I was never a, you know, I, I started uh, investigating UFOs around, um, I believe it was around 2015 or so, but, and, and I did it for a few, you know, I think three years or so, three, four years. Is that the time you got abducted? <laughs> I wish. Oh, yeah. I could oh no, just go vacation. Yeah, they put a, they abducted me and, and brought back a clone <laughs> of me. <laughs> but, but, but prior to that, I was never really into ufos or anything you know i think once in high school i i watched a documentary on ufos but it was never a topic i was into and you know prior to 2015 i ended up having three well two ufo sightings before that and one after and you know i'm the type of person i i i'm i'm skeptical but i want to believe you know, when when somebody tells me a story, I, I'll believe it. But at the same time, I'll still want to try to prove them wrong. Because then if I can't prove them wrong, then there's, you know, there's something there. There's there's something, you know, factual to that story. So, you know, prior to 2015, I, I had no knowledge about UFOs except for, you know, what I seen on TV. And I really wasn't into the subject. So when I seen them, I got really interested in, in them. But... You know, there was a part of me that said, you know, as I looked into them that, you know, these are probably, you know, secret military or government um, spacecrafts and all that. But there was, you know, no way to know that 100 percent. But, you know, the rational part of my brain says, you know, the, these were probably something, you know, 
from this earth but a part of me also wants to believe that you know maybe the technology in there um you know is from somewhere else and that maybe you know like there's all the stories you know after roswell and all that that we you know traded you know secrets with or secrets and technology with you know alien races so you know i i like to be skeptical but i also like to you know believe a little bit but i you know I like to maintain a nice balance and not go too much in one direction. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, you know, Joe, uh, the thing with Roswell, Roswell was a quiet event. It was brought back into the limelight when Staten Friedman, the physics who, uh, where he stayed, he worked with NASA and all that stuff. When he went to see Jesse Marcel, uh, right before Jesse Marcel was dying or something like that, and or not dying, I mean, I think uh, Jesse, Mar- this was back in 1984, I think it was, that he brought the incident back into the limelight, and then Roswell became such a big thing. But prior to that, you know, Roswell between the 1940s and the 1980s was An just... An urban legend. <laughs> yeah, urban legend. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, but I'm going to tell you something, though. Uh, and here's something that, you know, I, I got to, because I don't really, for me to really believe anything like that is kind of like, you know, it's a little tough. Uh, I mean, I have to see a little more evidence and stuff, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Uh, taking into account the story I told you when I was a little kid in Cuba, you know, when you're a four-year-old kid or whatever, it's hard to say no matter how it is that if a kid sees something, it's not like if you and me right now, We could say we were drinking or we did something and and we saw something because we've seen a movie, but we're old and our mind is is now developed that we can see some type of weird event or weird thing or based or, or some type of hallucination. But when I was four and something and I saw those hands, I just saw those hands. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't like molded or modeled to, hey, you're going to see this hands or somebody told me a ghost story. It just happened. So, I mean, that's something, too, that I wonder. Yeah, like, yeah. what the heck was that, you know? But I did see now, it. I'm going to tell you guys a story, oh. and I've really never told too many people this over, over the years. But is, this is, is about, this about the abduction, abduction? <laughs> and, and it doesn't involve <laughs> oh, yeah. and all that. So, no. <laughs> but this is, ahead, you know, this is always, this story has always stuck with me and, and I still have the image clear as day in my mind. So like I said, I was never into aliens, never into UFOs or, or anything like that, you know, until, you know, mid, you know, 2000s or so. So when I was in basic training for the army in 1998, uh, you know, we're all, all young, you know, seven, I was 17 at the time, you know, you have a lot of 18, 19 year old kids in there. So we were playing this game where I can't remember how exactly the game went, but it was kind of like you, you bent over, you held your breath. And when you got up the, you know, someone squeezed you and then, you know, you passed out for a few seconds. You know, we, we, everybody in the, the barracks was doing it. It was kind of like a little rite of passage for our, our platoon, you know, just some stupid stuff that, you know, kids play. Mm-hmm. So a guy that was, a that did it, a, you know, a few guys before me, when he woke up out of being, you know, passed out, he was like freaked out and he jumped up off the ground and he hopped over some bunks and he hid underneath a bunk. And he was like legitimately scared. And I, I knew this guy through basic, and all that, and he was, you know, a no-nonsense kid. He was he was a very tough guy, and he was he was straight afraid after that. And he wouldn't say, you know, what it was. So, you know, it was my turn, and I'm, you know, a little leery about it. But I'm like, you know, I'm peer pressured into doing it. So I did it. And as I'm, and I'll never forget this, as I'm waking up, I could see over top of me, looking down over me, are the gray alien heads you know, with the big black eyes, the gray alien heads. And I knew nothing about aliens back then, unless I seen it on TV, but I seen them. And as I was coming to, they, they started like, kind of like fading away into, you know, the guys in the barracks that were looking over me as I was sitting there. And I'm like, okay, that was kind of weird, Hmm. you know, but I I didn't, I didn't think nothing of it. So later on that day, I was talking to my buddy, the one that freaked out and I said, dude, I said, you know, what was up? I said, were you just screwing around with us or something? And he told me the exact same thing that I seen. 
Huh. And I, I could not believe it. I was like, yep. are you are you kidding? And I said, I seen that same thing. I said, I didn't think nothing of it, but maybe, See. you know, my mind playing tricks on me. He goes, no, he goes, I, I seen the same thing. And he goes, and it just freaked me out. Wow. That is that. Yeah. So that always don't... stuck with me. You know, I, I, I don't know what, what would be the answer for that or the cause. Mm-hmm. I, Joe, uh, we worked in a hospital. And having talked uh, to one of my best friends who's a pharmacist there, or director of pharmacy, I can tell you this much. We were talking about, well, you just basically, you already explained what the, the cost for that could be scientifically explained. Your lack of oxygen, you're passing out. I remember what you're talking about, because when I was 13 years old or 12 years old in New York City, kids try to do that same stupid thing where... They, right. you know, they hold the person like I think it would, and they make the person pass out. But what you're doing is when you're coming through, that's when your brain will kind of you're getting oxygen back into the brain. So that see in a situation like that, it's kind of explainable scientifically why a person would see something weird, because now your brain is you know lack of oxygen and stuff like that. But when you have in a situation you're like when I was a kid, I, I you know I didn't have lack of it was just a normal situation. Or you have where where you said um, the day uh, you mentioned the last thing, the story that you, you guys were in the army or something, you were going through the field and there was a beacon or something. Oh, yeah, like the lantern, yeah. And the lantern, you know, things like that is different because, you know, there's not a situation there. Well, see, even with, the, even with the lack of oxygen, you know, why, why would we see the – now I understand the lack of oxygen and you could start seeing things, you know, that, but why – but my thing is, why would two of us see the same thing, and why would it be these gray aliens with big black eyes? Because I had nothing to do with aliens. I, did, I didn't know anything about them. I wasn't interested in right. them. I, I really didn't know anything about them. But and it, for two of us to have that same exact um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. is what really caught well, me as well, weird. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. and, and the kid, the, kid, yeah, the other the guy that works. had it, he wasn't a big... You know, alien guy too. He was actually like a, no, a, a I, car guy. You know, he was a mechanic and all that. You know, when he was younger and everything. But it was that. That's what really caught me is that we both had the same experience, and neither one of us you know, were into aliens to, right, that Joe, would but, influence us. Yeah, right, Joe. But think, think of this. That's kind of you ever seen those movies where the person is waking up and everything's cloudy above them, and then they start going into focus. That's exactly the same way. So if a person is looking over you, because obviously you had mentioned right. that they were looking over you, as you're coming through, you're probably seeing a blurry image of a white or grayish figure with big eyes, because obviously the eyes are looking at you. And the reason I'm saying that is because when I've come out of uh, anesthesia and stuff in the hospital, say, for example, that I've been waking up from an operation that I've had, like for hernia, which I've, I've had like two or three because of that, I, I I know exactly what you're kind of saying. You do see that, but that, well, let me let me tell you this: is that I could I yep. could clearly to this day see the outline of the heads and the skinny necks and the shoulders, and it was it, it was as clear as day. You know of what you would you know see as a typical gray alien. There was no you know blurred you know vision until it started getting blurry from that crystal clear picture then it started blurring and morphing into the people now yeah it, it could be something maybe there is a scientific explanation for it but in my mind you know what i seen when the aliens it, it was clear clear as day so maybe see so i'm wondering you, me, you know maybe if no, i had like, those pair of glasses like on um the movie what is it the movie they where you put them on and you could see the uh the aliens you know maybe my my buddies in the army, maybe they were actual aliens, and I was. What <laughs> more? What more than that? That'd what, be what a story. Uh, what was what it? They live. Was it they live? About? Where you put the gla- where Roddy Piper put the glasses on and he could see the aliens? Yeah, that's the the bubblegum quote, right? I'm here to yeah, yeah. So so maybe maybe my buddies were aliens, and I was able to see them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I don't remember if I. Oh, that's a classic. But it yeah. Familiar. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was something well, you know that always stuck in my head. And like I said, there there could be a possible explanation for it. But what always always I, got I me was both of us had the exact Joe, same, you know, sighting. Yeah, I, that that's interesting. Joe, I think you got to ask Todd. 
Yeah, but you got to ask Todd the same question because it could be when both of you guys got. Yeah, maybe it was. <laughs> yeah. Just don't remember, you know. And and Todd came back as the the guy with yeah. the invisible stuff. <laughs> he came back that he wanted you know the invisible aliens and all that stuff, and and that's when he started you know uh, going uh, gravitating <laughs> to sea monkeys. Yeah, now, yeah, Anthony, are you are you a big collector like your your old man? So I, I'm a collector of the science fiction. I love Star Wars. I love uh, I love space. And, and all that good stuff. I haven't been too much of the old school horror films kind of guy, like my father here. But I grew up about him, so I know I know about him more than the the normal adult my age. <laughs> now I'm I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So what did what is your opinion of the the, the last new, oh movie? the last three? To be honest with you, I feel like uh, I feel like they're too Disney oriented. To be okay, honest, yeah. I I'm not I, I'm a fan, but at the same time I'm not a fan. I kind of watch it because I ha- I feel like I have no choice at this point. I'm so deep into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I heard that there there was rumor that they were supposed to reboot the the franchise, starting with the um I guess redoing episode seven, eight, and nine because uh-huh. there's so much backlash from it. I don't know how uh, true it is. Yeah. Um. But. You know that that could be good news because it was just, in my opinion, it was just absolutely horrible. Yeah, although it was. on episode nine, I, I did like seeing, you know, the um, Emperor Palpatine and you know uh, the Sith, you know, whatever you would call mm-hmm. it, you know, all that stuff. That was really cool because that's never been done. But man, they like you said, it was just too Disney oriented, and they tried too much for inclusion and everything else and it just it took away from the story you know a hundred percent i agree with you so much i'm someone that that likes more story than special effects and all that yep you know they they just tried too much to do you know too much special effects too much inclusion too much diversity too much of this and that and they lost the story and they lost you know the characters and everything you you know what you guys don't know when it comes to Star Wars and all that stuff? Back in the early 70s, and when we always talk about mail order and, and when you can order things, one of the first magazines that was very popular coming out at the time was Starlog. And one of the things that Starlog did is when you subscribe to Starlog, you got a free Robbie the Robot blueprint. Well, during that time, uh, it was very common to come home and turn on channel. Well, in my area, it was channel five, which was, uh, I think, WOR at the time or something. I forgot the. And you would see Lost in Space around 5 p.m., 6 p.m. in the afternoon right after school. And at that same time, you had Star Trek and Lost in Space, but then you had Space 1999 and, and all these other sequels came out. At the same time, anytime you picked up a magazine from Popular Mechanics, Popular Science, or even uh, children's comic books, you know, comic books, which were very, you know, obviously filled with it, you had in everything, you had some ads that dealt with either flying saucers or UFOs. Um, Most popular one at the time, well, one of the most popular was this thing that the Johnson Smith Company used to sell, which was called the... Um, it was like a 50 foot, not a 50 foot, but a 10 foot UFO, solar UFO, which to be honest with you, it's a great item. It was like a big, huge plastic, very light plastic bag, 10 feet across. And then that same company actually made one that was 50 feet across. And what you did is you didn't have to blow it up. You just tied twist ties on each side of it. And when you put it out in the sun, the heat would automatically start it, you know, making it go into a sand and sand. And it would go supposedly up to, say, like 2,000 or 2,500 feet in the air. Um, at the same time, there was also, Johnson Smith sold also another item called the 9-foot UFO, which was basically put out by the same people that made the 12-foot and 6-foot hot air balloon. It was made of tissue. You kind of put it together, and, you know, you, it, was, it, it worked with the same principles as a hot air balloon. Uh, you put it over a flame and, you know, it would take off. So during that era where it was so popular for the mail order, for the TV, and, and there was so much, um, you know, stuff going on in the flying saucer and alien stuff, that's when Star Wars came out. That was like in, in 1976 and stuff. So Star Wars made a big hit because, you know, it, it kind of appealed to everybody in the public. Now, when I, I went to see Star Wars, uh, in the movie theater when it first came out. And, you know, of course, I was like, wow, Star Wars. 
as time went on, though, it just burned me out completely. I did not care. Even today, I don't really care for Star Wars at all. Uh, I do have a lot of the original stuff. Like, I still have a 200-foot black and white Super 8 film in silent of Star Wars. And that's, I think, one of the closest, because I did lose a lot of stuff in my fire that I had. Uh, but you know what? I, I lost my interest in Star Wars. But I, what I wanted to say about Star Wars is that the reason the, what influenced movies like Star Wars was the demand for the flying saucers and space and all that stuff during the 1970s, you know, like- which was right after, I was going to say right after the Apollo in this, because in 1972, the last time they went to the moon, Apollo 17, I'm sorry, Apollo 18, was it? 18, yeah, 17, I think. Yes, uh, when they went, and, and Gene Cerna was the last man to walk on the moon. I was a little kid. I remember, uh, I don't know why, it was kind of funny, but somebody, I think it was my grandmother, I mean, my grandfather and my mom told me the reason the moon, you could see it full, was because there were people <laughs> on it. And, you know, it, it's a stupid thing to say, but I was like, what? And when I look at it back, they, they told me that. They actually told me that when you saw the full moon, it's because in 1972, I was here. I was a young kid, and that's the last trip well, you went to the you moon. Wanna you want to know, know my moon, this is my moon story that I was told when I was younger about the man on the moon. That when the man on the moon, when he lit his his light and he was sober, the moon was full. And as, the more that he drank, the less of the moon you could see because his light was tipping. <laughs> so I always had that image in my mind of this, this of some you know, you know, old old guy or something, you know, middle aged guy sitting in his chair on the moon, on the moon, drinking you know a bottle of whiskey or something with this light. And as he's drinking, you know, the light's tipping and he's not catching it, and the moon's getting darker and darker. So <laughs> that's what I always pictured. <laughs> my man on the uh, moon you know, you know the funniest thing about the moon i always used to be growing up as a as a kid was uh in science class in school they taught us that the moon was like um one of the well my brain caught from it was the moon was one of the biggest reasons why the earth has waves and um so my my biggest fear growing up when i as a little kid i would see a full moon and i would think to myself that they we could we could possibly have some tsunamis going on like that <laughs> if the moon was too close to the earth that one night so oh, man that that used to terrify me you know there, there's so many cool you know conspiracy theories and all that about the the moon that's out there that there's secret bases oh yeah that the it's dark side of the moon that that's, yeah, yeah that's i mean there's, there's, there's so much stuff out there that yeah. you know you could really you know dive down the rabbit hole of you know moon conspiracy theories. oh yeah are you are you aware of the fact joe that uh De Grassi, the scientist, the physicist, because uh, he was saying to people that they, that say we didn't go to the moon, you know, this bunch of uh, whatever they are out there, that it makes me laugh. Not only did we go once, we went seven times, you know. But the thing is that if, you know, it's funny because I was watching yesterday a special on the last, you know, moon landing. And you have a quarter of the Earth looking at this, you know. The astronauts are getting in this thing. It's taking off in Canaveral, you know, Florida. And you know what's so funny about it, though? When if they go in space, the moment they leave the Earth, and in fact, Apollo 17 was the one, the only time that they were able to catch for the right moment an entire photograph of the planet Earth. And, and that's the most circulated photo of Earth ever. And they don't really know who took it, if it was Gene Cerna or the other guys that were with them, because they actually this was the time they actually took a geologist up to the moon. But the thing I was saying, though, is it's funny how when they left the Earth for three days, it was just pure darkness. And then, boom, the moon was there. So when you see all the stars we see in space and stuff, we get to see that because of the way the atmosphere and the Earth reflects the lights and we are able to see it. But when you're out in space, it's just pitch darkness. It's it's a, it's a void. It's It's like scary as hell, you know. And when they finally got to the moon, one of the biggest problems they had is that Gene Cerna, when they were riding around the rover on the moon, uh, he accidentally twisted sideways or something and broke off one of the, um, you know, the, the things that go over the wheel, what they mm-hmm. call that, the bumpers. And what happened with that is that the dust in the moon is so harsh. In fact, it's, it scratches the heck out of things. 
and you can see them trying to clean themselves from the dust and the dust is it penetrates i think it even penetrated uh their uniforms um and they, they you know it tells you the story how, how you know how much they were actually struggling trying to to get the dust off them you know and off the equipment and so it's a pretty harsh environment. You know, we we might have to do a we might like, have to do a whole podcast just on uh, you know moon conspiracy theories. <laughs> moon theories. You know we're we're well, we're getting well, at the the bottom of our podcast here. You know the last few minutes. So, um, what, what are your guys' final thoughts well, for this this podcast on the topic? My 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 final thought, way Anthony. Before the thing I wanted to conclude with the moon thing is that what Neil deGrasse said is if you go to Google Earth. You can actually see the stuff we left on the moon. Like there's photographs of it. You can see where the astronauts were. <laughs> so you can actually yeah, see that on Google Earth. Guys go check it out. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead, Anthony. No, my final, my final, my um, final thing I have to say here, going back to my first story about the triceratops. I mean, not the triceratops. I'm talking about the pterodactyl sighting that I have. Um, there's a famous photo online that, that always makes me laugh a little bit. It's uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was a big hunter. Um, back in his time, and uh, there's a there's a Photoshop photo of Teddy Roosevelt that he it looks like he uh, he managed to kill a Triceratops, so it's him right behind the Triceratops, but it looks so real. So it reminded me. Of, oh yeah, I have seen that photo. <laughs> that is pretty cool. It is yeah. a cool photo. It reminded me of the the pterodactyl that I saw. But uh, the end of the day, there's just um, there's so much stuff out there. We live in a world of of endless possibilities and. The thing that people have uh, have come to notice is that the more and more people there are in this world, the more and more stories we'll have. And I, I've noticed that during this whole co- uh, COVID uh, outbreak that we had, the quarantine and all that, you start to notice how more conspiracy theories start to form when more people have more time to themselves, more research to be done. And the bottom line is we don't really know what's out there. We don't – We are, our biggest um, – our biggest bet is just to guess really what, what's out there. And hopefully one day we're right, depending on what we see, depending on whether it's UFOs, Bigfoot, pterodactyls, no matter what it is, we don't really know what's out there. We don't have a, the only one who really knows out there really is God and, and nobody else knows. But um, the end of the day, it's, it's the, the whole urban legends and myths that we have. It's a great storytelling. It's a great escape from the modern world into another world. And, and where monsters exist and a lot of people find that and feel comfortable with that. And it's just so cool to talk to and have a, an outlet like this podcast to, to get your story out and to get my story out with the pterodactyl and see if anybody else out there can possibly relate to it. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Well said, well said. So uh, uh, if anybody uh, out there is listening, you know, head over to house of the unusual.com. We have a forum over there. Go ahead and, and join it's free to join. You could come on there and, and talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about. We also have a, a section on the forum for um, if you have any ideas for what you want to hear in the, the podcast, you know, write them down there, get a hold of us. And who knows, you know, we might talk about it if, you know, in one of the future podcasts, you, you could also find this on YouTube. There's there's tons of videos on there, you know, new ones coming up all the time. Uh, you can also find House of the Unusual and Crypto Classics on Instagram. We got some very cool photos up there. Some you know different uh, different toys and comics and movies and whatnot. So uh, new podcast comes out every Wednesday. Eddie, what's, when's it coming out? Three a.m. now. Three a.m. Three a.m. <laughs> Three a.m. So check us out. Well, that's past. That go to the gym early, that's past the witching hour. The <laughs> there you go. You, those of you that wake up early, you can listen to the podcast while working there out. There you go. Okay, we're 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 definitely ready. The best part is that in a future podcast, we're probably going to have Todd, uh, where he's going to say he was feeding. I think it's not a raccoon, some possum that comes into his <laughs> living room, and he claims that the other day when he walked in, he went on a face to face. Uh, with the uh, Velociraptor, <laughs> so he might be telling. Yeah, we story. definitely have to talk to him about the whole possum situation. <laughs> you know, no, the Velociraptor situation. Yeah, absolutely. Tell yeah. So, guys, yeah, but, guys, but, thanks for for being on, Anthony. Thanks for for joining us and and telling us your stories. And you know, you're you're more than welcome to come on anytime. 
uh, that invitation is not extended to Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've got 27 years of my life with him. So <laughs> you guys had a couple well, of podcasts. Having so. said that, guys, we, we feel your pain. No. <laughs> all right guys thank you so much thanks guys everyone thanks for listening take care bye good night guys